0: Who's excited about the beginning of a new year? Is this year going to be better than last year? Yes, Yes, absolutely. You know, we love to start a new year by setting out maybe some resolutions or some objectives or or, or some things we would like to maybe forget about from last year. And um, I hope that you have a great year. I believe that you will. Uh, But we we normally make, you know, commitments at the beginning of the year. We're going to lose weight. You don't have to raise your hand. Um, Get in shape. uh, Save some more money. Go on some vacations. Begin a new hobby. Whatever it may be. It's a great time to kind of make those commitments. But I want to add one to the list. And it may not be one that you're thinking of. But as we begin this new year... I think it would be fantastic for us to begin by thinking more about the goodness of God. Spending more time just thinking about who the Lord is in our life. And you may be thinking, well listen, what does me thinking about the Almighty have to do with me reaching my goals or my objectives or how is that going to help me? Walk with me through this just a minute. When we, uh, our perception of God and who we believe God to be begins to shape the view that we have of ourselves. And what we believe about ourselves begins to affect the choices that we make. And the choices that we make affect the destiny or the trajectory of our life, amen? And it really starts with the foundation of who we really believe God to be and then who we believe that we are. Now, when we look at Psalm chapter eight, this is exactly what the Psalmists begin to talk about. And I think it would be appropriate for us to begin a brand new year by making a commitment to think more about God and to think more about who God says that we are. Would you look with me for a moment in Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 8, at this powerful passage of scripture. And uh, in this scripture, it tells us so much About God. Now, back to God for just a moment. If we believe that God is impotent and incapable, if we believe that God is weak or unable to help us in a time of need, then we will probably feel more fearful, more uncertain. We will feel a lot of other emotions, negative emotions that are associated with that. If we believe that God is powerful, God is concerned, God is involved, God is omniscient and and omnipresent and, and, and so many other things, then it brings comfort and strength to us. Amen? Amen. So what we believe about God has a lot to do with how we feel. And I want you to feel great this year, but I want you to feel great because you understand who God is. Uh, and, and furthermore, we got to understand you know, who we are. Who am I? Uh, if we think that our life doesn't really matter, we don't really have a purpose, we're aimless, we're uncertain... Um, then that leads to a whole host of other problems as well. So let's look at Psalm chapter eight today. I'm so excited to kick off this brand new year by looking at who God is and who God wants us to be. Look with me uh, beginning in verse one. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth you have covered the heavens with your majesty and another translation uses the word excellent how excellent is your name Um, this translation says magnificent but the same it's the same concept and I love to think of the word excellent as meaning excelling above all others in other words the name of God excels above all other names there is no name that is greater than the name of the Lord. And then he says, um, your name is great throughout the earth. I mean, in other words, there is no place that the name of God is not amazing. It's not like we could go to another country or another culture or another continent and God is somehow diminished there over who he is here. God's name is great throughout the earth. I mean, everywhere we turn, every corner of this planet, the name of God is amazing. It's all, it's all, it's all great. And he says, you have covered the heavens with your majesty. In other words, the name of God is great on earth and the name of God is great in the heavens. And uh, David, the writer here, King David begins and ends the Psalm with the greatness of God. In verse one and verse nine, they're kind of parallel verses. How it starts is how it ends. But you know, when we think about the greatness of God and we think about the name of God being majestic throughout the earth and and we just think about how great and how powerful and how magnificent God is, it's easy for us to feel very small. I mean, there's like 7.8 billion people on the planet. It's a lot of folks. And how is it that I could be significant how could I be somebody of value if God is so great and there's so many other people throughout the earth and what I want us to see today is an answer to that question um this the writer King David begins by saying that God created us why am I significant why do I matter um because we've been created by God. The prophet Jeremiah said, God knew us in our mother's womb. Um, D- David echoes this same sentiment in verse three when he says, I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set into place. And many times the Bible talks about the hand of God and uh, God smacks some people in the Bible and sometimes it talks about the arm of God, like the might of God. But notice he says here in Psalm chapter 8, the finger of God. God uses his finger and God set the stars and the moons into motion with his finger. God is a creative God. He, he created the heavens and the earth. God is... God is so creative and, and, and the same God that put the stars and the moons, um, in the sky and set them into place is the same God that created you and me. Same God. There's no two people that are exactly the same. Amen. You're an original. There's nobody like you. Uh, my wife is a twin sister. She has a twin sister, identical twins, and yet they are very different in some ways. It's amazing. God made you unique. God made you special. You were created by God, created by God. And we were created by God. And the reason we were created is because God has a purpose for our life. Now, God did not just create us for entertainment. You know, I don't think it was like God was just sitting around one day and saying, you know, I need to have some fun. Let's put some people on the earth and see what they do. I mean, God had a purpose and your life has a purpose. Your life has meaning. You have been created specifically by God. You've been created by him. Isaiah, the prophet said in in chapter 40, verse 26, look up into the heavens Who created all the stars, he brings them out one after another, calling each by name. And he counts them to see that none are lost and have strayed away. If God is doing that for the stars, I believe he can do that for your life as well. Isaiah 44, 2, I am your creator. You are in my care even before you were born. I mean, even before, even before you were birthed, even before you came out of your mother's womb, God was caring for you. God, God was thinking about you. You were on the heart and the mind of God. He, he's, he's our creator. A, a few years ago, I saved up some money and I bought Gina a really nice silver necklace. And uh, I've learned as a husband for the last 20 some odd years that buying your wife jewelry is a very good thing. Amen? Yes, it's a very good thing. So I was very proud of this beautiful necklace. It was at this jewelry store in town. And, you know, I snuck over there one day and bought it and hid it and wrapped it and gave it to her. And she loved it. It was fantastic. She decided to take it on a trip with us and she put it in a bag. And unfortunately, it got broken during the trip. I mean, now the brand new necklace that I worked really hard to buy... <laughs> and thought was so clever. Now it's it's like broken. I mean, what are we going to do? And so Gina said, "Well, do you think that the you could take it back to the store that you bought it at?" And I said, "Well, I don't know, but maybe maybe so." So I put the pieces together and I went over to the jeweler and I said, "Hey, look. We had a little accident here. This thing's broken. What can you do?" And they said, "Well, we'll take a look at it." So a week later, I went back to the jewelry store and amazingly enough, the jeweler had fixed the necklace and it looked beautiful. It was a little bit different, but, but I liked it even better the second time around than I did the first time around. And Gina wears it all the time and it's one of her favorite pieces and it's so awesome. And I thought, you know, the smartest thing we did is we took the broken pieces back to the individual that made it. Could you see me in the garage with a magnifying glass and a soldering iron trying to put that thing back together? I'd be in trouble. It'd be bad. But the guy who made it in the beginning, he knew all about the necklace. He knew the size and the shape and the style and all that. And he knew exactly how to correct it. I think in life, we need to bring God our broken pieces. And we need to allow God to put us back together again. After all, he's the creator. And if God created you, he knows more about you than anybody else. And if God created you, he knows how to take the pieces of your life and how to put them back together. He's our creator. That's why we can trust him. That's why we need him. That's why we're dependent on him. That's who he is. And God has the answers to so many of our questions and our issues. Sometimes we try to fix our own problems and we find ourselves in a mess, but we're reminded that we need God. We need God. Another thing about the creativity of God, God is our creator. God has so many creative solutions. God has so many different answers. Now think about this. If God could create the entire earth... And he could could create the whole galaxy. He's a creative genius. I mean, look. Look at just our own planet. Deserts, mountains, oceans, hills, valleys. It's incredible. There's so much diversity. There's so much creativity. And it all began with the genius of God. God saw all of that. God put the planets into motion. God God knew that that we were going to have a solar system with this many planets and they were gonna have this many moons and there were gonna be this many stars and they were all gonna move. And, And I was reading online about how scientists can go and measure the size of a star by the sounds and they call them singing stars. Stars all over the galaxy emanate noises. The big stars they emanate kind of a, more of a bass type no, noise, mm, kind of like that. And then like the little stars, they're kind of like the alto soprano stars, and they're like, mm. It's incredible. The creativity of God. The universe is a, it's, a, it's an amazing place. But if God could, could dream up all of the different things In our solar system, in our universe, could God not find a solution for your problem? You may think as you're praying today, I got one problem and I need one solution and I need God, I need you to do this. And God may look at your problem and he may say, you know what, I got 10,000 solutions to that problem. Don't get locked into just one thing. We need to be about seeking the heart of God, not just what we want God to do because God may have a better solution. He is so creative. And that's why we worship him. God is creative. This year, we need to think more about the creativity of God. We need to say, God, let some of that creativity get on me. So God created us, which means that our life has meaning and purpose. And I love Psalm 50 verse 15. It says, call on me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will honor me. So God is our creator. He created us. But God also cares for us. I mean, he cares for us. Uh, Look at this right here in verse 4. What is a man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. God cares. And he uses two words there. He says, uh, what is man that you're mindful of him? In other words, God is thinking about us. We are on the heart and the mind of God. God is always thinking of us. And uh, then he says that the son of man, that you would care for him. God is mindful of us and then he cares for us. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, he's mindful. He's thinking of us. Out of all the people in the universe, God is thinking about you. He's mindful of you. He knows your needs. He knows your hurts. He knows your sensitivities. He knows your values. He knows your struggles. God knows all of it. And he's mindful. And he's thinking about you. Wow. God is big enough that he could create the heavens and the earth. And yet he is small enough that he could come and live in your own heart and care for you. That's how great God is. He's both big and he's small. And the two words that are used here for man are two different words in the language of the Old Testament. One is a word that means weakling, and the other is a word that means dust. In other words, we are just a weak piece of dust. We haven't done anything to deserve God's thoughtfulness and God's mindfulness. But God, in His sovereignty and in His grace and in His power, has chosen to care for us. He hears us as we pray, even when we don't feel it. Uh, and it was amazing that da- to, to David that God actually thought about him. I mean, that's an amazing thought for us today. Have you stopped to think that God is empathizing with you in your struggle? That He understands where you're coming from, He cares. He cares. I mean, it would have been awesome if God just created the heavens and the earth and he put the planet, uh, on, on its axis and said, all right, guys, good luck. But that's not what he did. He created and he cares. And because he cares for us, we have his love and his support, his love and his support. Um, I feel like I'm talking a lot about my wife today, babe. I hope that's okay. You good? Telling some stories. Good, okay. (laughs) Um, Gina loves to shop at garage sales. This is one of the secret Heller things about our family. She's a garage sale shopper. Anybody love to shop garage sales? Anybody? Okay, good. Yeah, oh yeah, you can get some bargains, can't you? Yeah, and there's always two stacks at the garage sale, right? There's the buy me, and then there's like, please take me, I'm free (laughs) stack, you know? Like, I would just be so thankful if you were gone. Take as much as you want. A few years ago, Gina went to a garage sale and she found an ottoman that she liked and it had a bunch of stains, it had holes, it, it, was, it was the dirtiest, ugliest, filthiest thing that I'd ever, it smelled bad, you know? It had that old grandma smell. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that smell. It was bad, it was real bad and the lady was like, please take it. So Gina brought it home and I was like, babe, what, you know, like, we need to talk like what do you what is this you know and she said you just wait just wait and her creative juices began to start flowing she recovered the ottoman it had good bones okay she recovered it and she worked on it and she got got it aired out And by the time she finished with it, it was a beautiful piece of furniture. We still have it today. I think after like 15 years, it's still in the Heller household. It's one of the longest standing pieces of furniture that we have in the house. It's beautiful, but it started as just a piece of trash. She also took some old boards and got a jigsaw out and made these cornices, I think that's the right term, over the windows that with these arches and I think that some of the wood was actually warped when she first got a hold of it but but she covered them with beautiful fabric and put them in the dining room and man the dining room looked magnificent in fact we looked on Zillow years later after we had moved out of that house and I think several owners after us had left The cornice boards up in the windows. That's how you know you did some good decorating, right? When the people after you leave it, that's like the highest compliment. It's amazing. Well, when God sees our lives that are warped and stained and he sees our holes, he sees our incredible potential and that's why he cares for us. So God doesn't just see all of our imperfections. God sees our potential. God has never stopped believing in you. God has never given up on you. We can run away from God, but God doesn't run from us. He cares for us. He's concerned for us. He created us. He cares for us. He sees it all. But he also does a third thing. He crowns us. Look, look at this right here, and back to Psalm 8. Verse five, you made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. This is where it turns to what we think about ourselves. We talked a lot about God. But who does God, who's he made us to be? It says he crowned us because we were made a little less than God. In other words, people are not God, but people are. Have significance and value because he says, and he crowned us. So we have a purpose, we have a reason, we have a a significance about us. Now, stay with me for just a moment. Angels are spiritual beings, spirit only. People have spirit and body, animals have body. So you got three different entities. God made us a little lower than himself. And Genesis 1, and 27 says that we were created in the image of God. We are image bearers of God. Yes, at the fall of humanity, when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit and sin entered into humanity, that definitely put a little kink in the system, but it doesn't mean that we still cannot reflect the goodness and the glory of God. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But God crowned us. We have significance. We have power. Now, people should never think that they're God. Amen? The moment that you begin to think you're God, you become filled with pride and arrogance and so many other problems. We are not equal with him. There is nobody like God. But we are created a little lower than God, meaning that we have, we have a place. We have a significance. We, we have rule. We were crowned, he says. A- in other words, uh, we have a responsibility, I think is what David is saying here. We have a responsibility. And, and we're not animals. Okay, now I love animals. Do we have any animal fans here? Anybody love animals? I love animals. Animals are awesome. I have a pet cat. I'm a cat guy. I love animals. I was over at my brother and sister-in-law's house last week, and they have a black lab. And black labs, I know a lot of people love them, but they slobber, they sniff. I've never been sniffed on so much. You know, I felt like my personal space was being invaded. But it's the impulse of a dog. That's what dogs do. If you don't want to be sniffed on, don't get get a dog. You know, so a dog, they're they're animals. Crying out loud, right? Animals are driven by impulse, aren't they? They really are. There's nothing logical. It's just impulse. Why do birds fly south for the winter? Impulse, right? They haven't been trained. They just have an instinctive nature. This is what you do. We build nests. We fly. It's instinct. Animals have, have instincts. People don't live by instincts. In fact, we have to be taught we have to be taught certain choices. If we have instincts, it's something that's learned behavior. It's something that's totally different. There's a big difference between animals and people. Um, I was at Gina's parents' Texas farm this last week, and they have a, a mule, a donkey named Dickens. Dickens the donkey. Everybody say Dickens. Dickens has a lot of personality. He's, 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 he's a charming He's a charming little miniature donkey. And he came to stay with Gina's parents because he was originally with a family member, but he kept sneaking under the fence. And I learned this. See, I'm learning about farm life. Um, Donkeys can lay down and they can inch under fences. And they do this all the time. And so Dickens was getting away from the place he was supposed to live and he was out socializing. He was making new friends in other pastures, and they kept finding him in other places. So he was banished to Gina's parents' farm because they have a lower fence. But nobody had to teach Dickens how to slide under the fence. It's just instinctive. He's an animal, right? He's an animal. Well, as people, we have choices, not just instincts. And when we live by impulses only, we actually are living like animals. That's why I think it's so dangerous for us to teach kids that we're just animals. We're just a higher evolved form of animals. Because we don't understand we've been crowned, we've been created, we've been given purpose, we have a soul and a spirit. There's a lot of differences between people and animals. And if we only see ourselves as animals, then we will begin to live animalistic lives, but if we see ourselves as people with a higher purpose and a calling and and higher in the created order of God, then we begin to rise up to the purposes and the plans that he has for us. So he crowns us, which means we have responsibility. We have responsibility. Uh, We don't have to give in to impulses and temptations. Uh, Try to explain that to an animal. That's a hard thing. To a person... When we have impulses, we can allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives and to say, you know what? I have an impulse to do this, but I know that God wants me to do something different. So even though that may feel good and that may look like a good choice, I'm not going to do that because I know that God wants me to do otherwise. We have responsibilities. God gave us responsibility with creation. In fact, if you look there in verse six, he says, you made him ruler over the works of your hands and you put everything under his feet and all the sheep and the oxen as well as the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of, of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. In other words, humanity has dominion over the animals and over the, God's creation. God created the earth, but he gave us the authority and the power to manage and to lead. And so that's why we should love and respect the environment. That's why, we should, that's why we should take seriously protecting the planet because God created it. And we don't want to mess up something that God gave to us that's so beautiful and wonderful. But we have other responsibilities as well. We, we have responsibilities with the family, right? Parents, we have responsibility to raise children, And to teach them the ways of the Lord and to read scripture and to talk about the things of God and to pray with them. And God's given us responsibility there. We have responsibility in the church. You know, the scriptures tell us that every member is an important part of the whole body. And when we all work together, then we accomplish church health. So God's given us so many responsibilities It really has. And this year, I'm praying for us that it will be the greatest year of stepping into the responsibilities that God has given to us that we have ever known before. Uh, Another purpose that God's given to us is the purpose of praise. Um, I love 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What is our purpose? Well, one of them is to bring praise and glory to God. That's one of those distinct human opportunities that we have is to, is to give God Glory, to give God praise. You may wonder, well, what is my purpose? One of your purposes is to constantly praise God. Wouldn't it be great if this year was the year of praise? The year of glorifying God, the year of telling God, thank you for all that he's done. And when we understand our purpose, then it brings focus in our life and it helps us to see more clearly what he wants to say. Now, in Genesis 126, it says. Uh, let us make man in our own image. And some people have wondered, well, what, who is the us in Genesis chapter one? That's the father, son, and the spirit. That's the Trinity. One of the most, the earliest references to that. But what I want to see in that is the image of God. We are made in the image of God. In other words, we are to reflect the character and the heart of God in our life. So, The question is, well, how do I do that? When I follow what God is saying to me, people see God in me through the person of Christ. A lot of people today are not necessarily looking for God. Some people are. A lot of people are not. But you know what? They're talking to you at the office. They're visiting with you in the neighborhood. They're They're interacting with other people. And the greatest thing we can do is to be image bearers of God. In other words, when people see us, they see the God that we say that we serve. And that's true in the things that we say. That's the way that we act. It's the attitudes with which we have. It's the words that we use. It's so many other things. We want to be image bearers of God because he's crowned us. And because he's crowned us, we have responsibility. And we want to use that responsibility to point people to the great God that we serve. Well, he created us. He cares for us. He crowned us. Let's focus on these things about God this year. And let's make it the greatest year we've ever known. Would you pray with me for a moment?